The recordings you are about to hear have been declassified and released by the British Ministry of Defence. These files cover the period from 1950 to the present day and provide the first indications that we are not alone. Gloucester and children playing football in the road were rudely interrupted by an eight-foot-tall bipedal wolf-like creature who pushed over a child and stole the ball. He's been fined £100 for fouling on the pavement. Meanwhile, in Devon, attempts to trace the person who took a picture of a fairy sent to the local newspaper have now been abandoned. It turns out it was an Elfie. William Law, an avid phrenologist, was struck on the forehead during a game of cricket. Despite considerable swelling, he identified no change in his reasoning capabilities and consequently is still a phrenologist. Chedworth. 1995. Hello, my name is Dr. Leotard, and we're responding to accusations of witchcraft in your neighbourhood. According to the EMF meter, I'm sorry to say you may have psychokinesis. Oh, is it serious? Well, psychokinesis is a largely hypothetical condition in which you're able to affect changes in the real world using the power of your mind alone. First, we should check for telepathy. But there's no such thing as telepathy. You read my mind. I just need to check a few things. Looking through your case history, your husband tells us you watched something on the television and found it moving. It was probably an earth tremor. He also said you might have pyrokinesis. That's just hot air. I see. And no family history of post-mortem animation? No. My father would turn in his grave. Mm. Well, it says here you've a lot of bent spoons in your kitchen. I make very thick soup. And one prong was bent on each of your forks. I think that's a distortion of the tooth. And when I visited your house, I, I felt a strange pressure in my lower limbs. I think someone's pulling your leg. Well, I don't see that there's anything to worry about. I'll just prescribe you some aspirin for the precognition. I thought you would. And I expect you'll want to talk to your husband about the pyrokinesis. Don't you worry. I bet his ears are burning already. Coventry, 2002. Hello, Mr Smith. Ah, um, hello. Is anyone else in today? Just me today, Mr Smith. How can I help? Well, I bought this here the other day, but I, I can't understand the instructions. Of course. What would you like to know? I wasn't sure how to make it work. Perhaps you could explain? Well, the instructions are self-explanatory. But they explain themselves. So any intervention on my part would be entirely superfluous. Is there anything else I can help with? But I can't make it work. Did you hear that? I think it must have been those instructions explaining themselves, Mr Smith. Although it goes without saying... What does? I can't say it. Otherwise, it wouldn't go without saying. Normally, when people say that it goes without saying, they then say the thing that goes without saying, which is silly. So I'm simply not saying the thing that goes without saying because it goes without saying. You couldn't make an exception, could you? And not to mention... Not to mention what? Well, there's no point in not mentioning something if I'm then going to immediately mention it. That would be telling, Mr Smith, to say the least. Because that's my new watchword, to say the least. And that's what I'm saying. What are you saying? The least. Well, it says here that... This is what's called an intuitive product, Mr Smith. Use your intuition. If I explained it to you, then you wouldn't be using your intuition. What's the first thing that comes into your head? Just do it, Mr Smith. Why don't you exercise your free will? Let your mind go free. Just act on your intuition. Don't think. Act! No! Don't do that! Not that! No! No! I don't know, then! Well, I probably shouldn't say. Yes, yes. So I won't. Mum's the word. 
You're never going to tell me, are you? Never say never, Mr Smith. That's what my mum used to tell me. But then she always used to say never when she said never say never. So perhaps it should be never say never, except when you're saying never say never. You don't say. I think I did in that instance. Look, I really just want a bit of help. Could you just give me a clue? A clue? How exciting. Now, let me see. As I was going to St Ives, I met a man whose father's brother was my husband's wife. And although my first is in Abacus, but not in Abacus, my second is in a bathroom, but not in a bathtub. And the password is different every day. Each wife had seven cats, one cat always tells the truth, and the other one has three legs in the morning and two legs at lunchtime. What am I? I probably shouldn't say. I'll come back another time. That's fine, Mr Smith, who now goes without saying. Goodbye. Canterbury, 1953. Hello. Is that the Archbishop of Canterbury? Uh, Yes. Hello. Who's speaking? It's God here. God? Yes. The God? Well, of course, the God. How many other gods do you know? None, obviously. Good. Glad to hear it. Only... Yes? Well, it's unusual for you to speak. I knew you were going to say that. One of the benefits of being omniscient. Well, yes. But you've only just had a phone installed. Yes. So, anyway... Thought I'd drop you a line. Right. Have a bit of a chat. Okay. It's been a bit quiet around here. In heaven? Yes, since Jesus left home. Yes. Although I can at least play the piano again now he's not sitting on my right hand. I see. And the Holy Spirit's driving me up the wall. Ah. So I was wondering about, you know, Mm? popping over. What? You mean here? Well, I can't very well stay with the Buddhists, can I? Now? Not right away. Right. Uh, Right. No. Give you time to hide all those false idols. Ha. Wash the sheets. No. I was thinking of this weekend. This weekend? Are you free Sunday? Sunday? Well, no, I've got church. Silly me. That's divine simplicity for you. How about Saturday? Why not? It would be like when you first found me. You know, at university. You remember we used to talk for hours. Well... You used to talk for hours. I mainly just listened. Yes. And we'd go out with your mates from the Christian Union. You remember? You didn't know I was there, but I was the one you fed. You know, you'd list your favorite songs, favorite books, best top tens since I gave Moses the 25 commandments. Only this weekend's not so good. Oh. No, we've got people round. Oh. Friends of Alice's. Oh. Some other time? Right. I'll tell you what, I'll have a look in the diary and I'll come back to you with some dates. You don't think I'd fit in with your friends? Well, you know, we're we're used to just having you here in spirit. I see. Well, better go. Phone bill from here will be sky high. Look forward to hearing from you then. Right. Bye. 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 Well, there's gratitude. It wasn't as if I asked him to sacrifice his firstborn. Nothing, dear. Just a PPI claims thing. Colonel, I think we've found a solution to your problem. Excellent, Professor Smith. Let's have it. Well, you said that ground troops were too blunt an instrument for your invasion. That's right. Well, I might have the answer in this jar. What is it? Finally, ground troops. Rundcorn, 1955. So, Malcolm, it's your birthday again. Yes, Daddy. Happy birthday, son. You're ten years old now, son. Yes, Daddy. And I wanted to have a little chat about careers. Careers, Daddy? Yes, son. You you see, I found out that in life, as in road transport haulage, it helps to know where you're going. You know, son, we'll always be behind you. Like your spare tyre, 
You may not need us for most of the journey, but when you do, you'll be glad we're there. And that you checked every thousand miles that we were still fully inflated. So, have you given us any thoughts? For example, you following your father into road transport haulage, which is a very respectable career. Yes, Daddy. Or becoming a doctor like your Uncle Paul. Oh, or an actress like your Auntie Margaret. He doesn't want to become an actress, do you, son? There's nothing wrong with acting. No, there's nothing wrong with acting. Oh, ballet dancing. Does he want to be a ballet dancer? Don't be ridiculous, woman. He's got feet like a camel. Perhaps he hasn't made his mind up. Well, it's about time he did. In another 12 years, he'll be finishing his education. Assuming he doesn't do a PhD. Or you could go into road transport haulage. Or be a magician like your brother. Or a road sweeper like your grandfather. Or a drag queen like your Uncle William. I'd like to be... Because if you have... Whatever it is... I'd like to be... We'll be right behind you. Unless you're on telly, in which case we'll be in front of you. I'd like to be an engineer. What did he say? An engineer? God, strike us down. I want to build jet engines. Jet engines? There's no future in jet engines, me son. Jet engines will be here one minute and gone the next. Whoosh! They won't get you anywhere. Now, have you considered road transport haulage? And when I grow up, I want to make a global telecommunications network. Global telecommunications? Don't talk to me about global telecommunications. I would tell the whole world what I think about them. If only there was some suitable media. Yes, Daddy. Do you think that in the year 2000, people will be looking back and thanking us for investing in stupid things like telecommunications and jet engines? Oh, a pharmacologist. Oh, no. I always knew we'd get into drugs. Medicines, Mummy. To make people better. Like the newly created National Health Service. Now, son, I would rather die a long and protracted death at the mercy of a perfectly preventable disease than give any of my tax pounds to that newfangled National Health Service of yours. But, Daddy... No! I'll be lying on my deathbed, gasping my last from some trivial complaint and thanking my lucky stars that insufficient funding was given to the development of drugs for combating everyday diseases. Just you wait and see. But vaccination, Daddy. Vaccination? I will be avoiding vaccination like the plague. And how are you going to get your fancy vaccines round the place without road transport haulage, I ask you? Answer that one, huh? You can't, can you? Road transport haulage runs in your blood, not like vaccinations. And I didn't spend 30 years of my life building up a road transport haulage company from scratch, carrying cargo with me, bare hands. Well, bare hands in a seven-ton Bedford S series, just for you to squander it away on daft things like jet communication and global engines. No, wait! I thought you'd have grown out of such fantastical things by now. Don't you remember our conversation about green transport initiatives and renewable energy on your ninth birthday? Or feasibility of fusion power on your eighth? I can see that we're going to have to put this conversation off for another year. I've changed my mind. A lorry driver. I want to be a lorry driver. A lorry driver? What did I tell you, Mother? The kids are today. No ambition at all. A History of Technological Progress. Part 4. Customer Service Announcements. 1950s. The train to Manchester is cancelled. 1960s. The train to Manchester is cancelled, as are all future trains. We are also ripping up the track and closing the station. 1970s. The train to Manchester is cancelled. So is Manchester. 1980s. What's Manchester? 1990s. We are sorry to inform you that the train to Manchester is cancelled. 2000s. We are very sorry to inform you that the train to Manchester is cancelled. 
2010s. Unfortunately, the human who did the announcement was incapable of summoning up the required level of sorriness regarding the utter failure to provide a functional train to Manchester, which is, after all, the sole reason for our existence. He has therefore been replaced with an automated announcement system. We are very sorry for the cancellation of the train to Manchester, and I mean that from the bottom of my empty, echoing electronic heart. London, 1959. Right, chaps, let's get started. As you all have seen from my memo, the Director General is very keen on new ideas in programming. Sorry, is this the Programme Inventors Science Fiction Supernatural and Horror Group? The Pish! Yes, this is she. Do come in, Carstairs. So glad you could join us. Oh, thank you. Do you know everyone? This is Wilson. He used to work at a bookie's, great at predicting the future. Hello. And this is Woodcock, very creative. He used to do my accounts. Good morning. And Cheeseman. He's into other worlds. Cheeseman. Cheeseman! Oh, uh, sorry. I was uh, uh, on a- another planet. This is Douglas Carstairs. Used to write for one of those fantasy magazines. Watchtower, was it? Amazing stories. I'm sure they were. I thought he would be just what we need to take the pish out of itself. I'm delighted. The Director General is concerned that for a group of programme inventors, we haven't invented many programmes. Any programmes. He wants us to be bold, ambitious, to take the pish to a whole new level. What about that Canadian chap? His idea was quite popular for a bit. Um, what was it? Doctor something? Who? Canadian chap, producer. God, what was his name? No, no, no that's what it's called. What? No, who? Who what? That's what it's called, the programme. It's, it's what, called... Doc whatever it's called, it's off the agenda. Travelling into the future is a thing of the past. The DG is quite clear. We must look to the future. We must break out of our 1950s conventions, gentlemen. So, paint me a picture of a future planet Earth. Humans are 20 feet tall and live forever. Christ, really? Not for real, you imbecile. In the future. Oh, yes, the future. So, you were saying, mutant immortal humans... Just a thought, but 20 feet high humans, won't the sets be rather expensive? And the makeup? Cost is no object, Woodcock! Yes. The only way they can die is for their mutant genes to be sucked out of them by a giant syringe. Sucking syringe, like it! And we're under attack from cyborg clones from, a, from another planet wanting to suck out our mutant genes. And, and we, have, we have a hero! A 20 foot tall hero! Someone like, um... David Niven! Massive Niven, like it. Carstairs? Uh, oh, uh, Niven communicates with other humans by means of a handheld communication device. <clears throat> a handheld communication device? Yeah, well, a, a kind of wireless telephone where you, can, where you can talk to anyone anywhere in the world. Sounds a bit far-fetched, isn't it? How about Niven flies in a spherical space pod? Because all humans travel in space pods. Flying balls, like it. Carstairs? Uh, uh, Niven uses a kind of information machine. Let's uh, let's call it a computer. A computer? Yes, yes. The, the humans have invented a computer that you can ask anything at all, at any time of the day or night, and it'll tell you thousands and thousands of possible answers. So, um... How would that work? Well, imagine, imagine thousands of these machines with, with thousands of invisible links to other machines, like a, like a giant spider's web across the globe. Like a worldwide web computer. And, and the machine links to cameras on every street corner, which, which the cyborg clones have installed so that they can spy on Niven on, on televisions as he goes about his work. Cyborg clones television. Bit of a mouthful for a programme. Uh, CCTV, then. Tea trolley, gentlemen, to keep you going. Ah, oh, right, you're a lifesaver. Let's all have a bit of a break. Do you have a feel for the budget? Cost is no object, Woodcock. Very good. Are there any custard creams? Don't be ridiculous, Woodcock. This is the BBC, not Granada. We're not made of money. 
Now, Carstairs, old chap. I don't know how to put this, but... Well, I'm not quite sure you're what the pish is looking for. I'm all for bold ideas, but the secret to any good science fiction programme is it's grounded in reality. Computing machines answering questions, cameras on every street corners. It's a... It's a bit... Well, far-fetched. Oh. I see. Why don't you see if you can come up with something a bit more grounded and then get back in touch? Oh, by the way, is this your blue police box? You could say that. I'll uh, get it out of here, shall I? There's been another sighting of the terrifying Norfolk Mothman. Robert Mason writes to tell us he was sitting quietly at home watching television with the window open one evening when the Mothman climbed in, circled the lamp three times and knocked himself out on the chimney breast. Gordon Bennett has written in with an unexpected sighting of an emu running across an open field. Remarkably, although the bird was doing nearly 30 miles an hour, the puppeteer was keeping pace with it. Margaret Expenser's account writes to us about the mysterious image of a bread machine that periodically appears in her kitchen. Apparently, it was predicted by her late husband, who always said that the purchase would return to haunt her. This week's talk was to be given by Maria Technical, a researcher into anti-gravity at the University of Bedford. Unfortunately, she's had to cancel because something has come up. There's something I've got to tell you, darling. There is. It's that promotion I told you about at work. What about it? I wasn't exactly 100% honest about it. You weren't? Not 100%, no. What was it? The pay? Not exactly. The company car? Adam, I never got that promotion. You didn't? In fact, I never worked at the pig farm at all. No? I'm a chartered accountant with a reputable London firm, Adam. There's no shame in that, Penelope. I always suspected the mud on your high heels was just a front. It's not the fact that you're not a pig farmer. What is it, Adam? It's the lying I can't take. You should have told me the truth. I'm sorry, Adam. The important thing is you felt you could tell me. So whose is the tractor? I borrowed it from my husband. Husband? I should say that... I should say that I know about some of your lies, too. You do? Yes. Then you'll know it was me who sent that bomb to your mother for her birthday. No. And on our first date? Yes. That coffee I made you, I pretended it was filter coffee. Go on. Well, it was actually mud. Then I should tell you. You're going to tell me now that our son isn't mine. We never had a son, Adam. He's just a cardboard cutout. I see. And that car I bought you for Christmas. Not the car. It's just a hollowed out cucumber with wheels drawn on in felt tip. Well... I've been seeing another woman. I should have known. It's that woman in the cupboard, isn't it? How many times do I have to tell you, Penelope, there is no woman in the cupboard? Then who's this? Hello. How did you get in there? Get out of here at once, Louise. I I've never seen this woman before in my life. Paul? His name is Adam. Keith, actually. I see. Well, it seems it's all over then. Perhaps we could start over again? Put all our lives behind us. And start afresh? Keith. Penelope. Jane, actually. To me, you will always be Penelope. Who could it be? Ah, um, you wouldn't mind waiting in the cupboard for a moment, would you? Hello, and welcome to How Things Work. My name's Tony, and this is my friend Sarah. Not your friend. Sarah is going to help me explain how freezers work. I'm not. Come on, Sarah. Shall we see if there's any ice cream in the freezer? There isn't. Are you sure? Yes. Shall we take a look? No. Inside the freezer, it's very cold. 
but at the back of the freezer, it's very hot. Why do you think that is? Where are the ice creams? There aren't any. I hate you. The freezer cools by compressing a vapour and then expanding it at the back of the freezer. And what happens when a vapour expands? Does it make you far? No, it does not. Where did you learn that word? Your breath smells. Why doesn't the heat melt the ice at the back of the freezer? The heat at the back of the freezer is released on the outside. But why doesn't it travel back up the pipes and make the freezer hot again? It... it just doesn't. Why? It's too complicated to explain. You said there were ice creams. There are no ice creams. This is supposed to be educational. I'm learning nothing. Well, you can take a horse to water. Are you calling me a horse? Jesus wept. You said a bad word. I'm telling on you. Next week we look at the aeroplane. God, we don't actually have to fly, do we? Eversham, 1954. Hello, the ferry household. Hello, is that Chris? Yes. Who's this? It's God. Who? God. Do you remember? We met when you were 17. You went away on that Christian weekend with that girl you fancied. And you found me. I was hiding behind a rock. Remember? Surprise! Oh, God! Yes, I remember. Uh, And what happened to her? Christine, wasn't it? She married a dentist. Who is it? He says it's God. What does he want? I don't know. What did you want? Well, you know, I was just calling for a chat. Catch up. Right. So, how are you? Well, I'm good. I'm good. You? I'm perfect. I thought maybe we could meet up. Meet up? Maybe have a few beers. (laughs) Why not? We live old times. You could welcome me back into your life. Only, to be honest, I've been a bit depressed lately. Really? I mean, it's been a long time since I've been able to create anything. This is a bit of a fallow period for me. I'm worried all my good stuff is behind me. Right, right. Look, I'm a bit busy just at the moment. Um, Why don't I give you a call back when things are a bit quieter? What's your number? Twenty. Right. Well, I'll um, I'll give you a call then. And Chris? Uh, Yes? When you call me... I'll be there. Either that or you'll get the answer phone. <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh, well. I'm starting to think there's no place for God in the modern world. Luton, 2007. Jane, come and meet Bill. Bill's invited us to dinner at the weekend. She's a bit of a picky eater, though. Can you tell him the things you don't eat? Oh, I'm fine, really. Fine with anything. Oh, OK, that's easy. Except prawns. No prawns. Anything else? No, I eat anything, really. Uh, but not mushrooms. Mushrooms. And coconut. Right. Or anchovies. Anchovies, mushrooms and prawns. And lamb, jam, ham, spam, clam, flan, meringue, green beans, sardines, tangerines, macaroni, salami, pepperoni, pastrami, a cannelloni, bologna, rigatoni, eggs, figs, frog's legs, ribs, pop, Dips, chips, chops, peas, cheese, salad leaves, a coffee, toffee, banoffee, fritters, butter, pitters, batter, snails, anything with nails, potatoes with skins, fried onion rings, brulee, satay, pate, sorbet, rice, Chinese five spice. Get a pen. I have allergies to wheat, most meat, sugar beet, rye, food dye, peanuts, walnuts, maize, mayonnaise, grain, sugar cane, bananas, sultanas, plum, and chewing gum. Right. 
I can eat apples without skins, uh, tomatoes, pureed, not chopped, of course, uh, baked beans without the sauce, kidney beans, but not made from tins, carrots if chopped into sticks, celery cut diagonally, uh, mushrooms, but not in stew, pears, but not in syrup, apricots, but not with pears, and pineapple, but not with mushrooms, bacon without fat, herring without the bones, uh, peaches without stones. Oh, okay, uh, do you eat pie? No. I know it's irrational. Unfortunately, tonight's scheduled programme of thermonuclear war has had to be postponed due to the overrunning of the peace talks on BBC One. If you'd still like to see thermonuclear war, press the red button now. Thank you for granting me an audience, my lord. That's no problem. Word of your evil empire have spread far and wide. How you have smote your enemies, dominated your citizens, and reduced traffic congestion in the town centre. Your evil empire is truly a thing of marvel. Thank you. I have travelled many hundreds of miles to offer you my armies and resources to support your evil empire and to do with as you will. Well, that's very nice, thank you. Just one thing, it's pronounced Yeovil. Low Earth Orbit, 1967. Five, four, three, two, one. Wonder Bird. Are go. Mayday, Mayday. Hello, hello, this is John Macy in Geosynchronous Orbit up in Wonderbird 5. Are you in trouble, Mayday? Yes, yeah, we're stranded up a mountain. We've got two men down. Please help. Okay, I'm putting you through to our call centre in no, Bangalore. No, don't do that. I've tried them. They put me on hold for half an hour before a bloke called Malcolm tried to sell me life insurance. And what's wrong with that? Why have you got a call centre in India? This is international rescue. Besides, do you have any idea how much it costs to run this space station? Just for answering phone calls, it's outrageous, frankly. Haven't you people heard of satellites? I never thought of that. Hang on a minute. They only put me up here because of my blue eyes and blonde hair, didn't they? It's just because I'm incredibly attractive. I should have known that stuff Virgil told me about Wonderbird 3 not working and not being able to get me back was a load of crap. I haven't been home in months and the toilet backed up three weeks ago. And he's there with Lady Penelope showing her his Wonderbird and all its pods. Down there with Scott Macy, Tracy Macy, Stacy Macy, smash him in the feecy wacy. And all I have for company is a machine with flashing lights. Hello, machine with flashing lights. How are you this morning, machine with flashing lights? Me? Oh, well, I'm fine since you didn't ask. Look, I really need someone out here. And what do you want me to do about it? It's budget cuts. My budget's been cut more often than Parker's eyebrows. Send Wonderbird 1. The mechanism's rusted shut. I told them putting it under a swimming pool was a mistake, but no. Fine, send Wonderbird 2. That heap of junk? Tell me, have you ever actually seen a 1,000-ton airplane take off? No. Me neither. Ha ha ha, there's a reason it's got strings. I want to speak to the manager. What, old Jeff Macy? Be my guest. He drank two bottles of Wonderbird and wrapped FAB1 round L-A-M-P-P-O-S-T. I'm sending Wonderbird 4. Did I mention I'm up a mountain? So? Isn't Wonderbird 4 a submarine? Do you want it or not? Okay, I'll take it. Where are you? 13 Manor Garden, Swindon. 
in Swindon. Yes. Up a mountain. Only a small mountain. Right, that's it. This conversation is over. Oh, but wait. Over. Could you send a sign photo of Virgil? Only I have a crush. No. Oh, go on. No. Please. All right, on one condition. Anything. Will you phone tomorrow? Only, I'm so lonely up here. So lonely. So lonely. Launching Wonderbird 4. <laughs> so the next time your grandmother teleports into the living room, your cat phones out for pizza, or the ghost of your dead flatmate asks you to turn the music down, remember that we are not alone. We Are Not Alone was written by John Thrower and Andrew Fletcher and performed by them with Matt Nation, Lisa Walsh, Lucy Brownhill, Tim Hounsom and Verity Neves. It was produced by John and Lisa Thrower and edited by Nathan Rowe. For a full list of credits and more information about the show, visit our website at www.wearenotalone.co.uk.